The sermon I will share with you this afternoon was prepared by Reverend Musker. Reverend Musker would have been here today, but because of uh, uh, various health concerns and the safety of his home, he's not here. But uh, I received the, the sermon and will share it with you. And he selected as the Old Testament readings today out of Exodus 31, 12 to 18, and Ezekiel 20, the verses 1 to 32. I'll read to you from uh, Exodus 31, starting at verse 12. This is the word of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it's a sign between me and you, throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is a holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. And we turn to Ezekiel chapter 20, and we read the, the uh, verses 1 to 32. It came to pass on the seventh year in the fifth month on the tenth day of the month, that a certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Have you come to inquire of me? As I live, says the Lord, I will not be inquired of by you. Will you judge them? Son of man, will you judge them? Then make known to them the abominations of their fathers. Say to them, thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel and raised my hand in an oath to the descendants of the house of Jacob and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt, I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day I raised uh, my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Then I said to them, Each of you throw away the abominations which are before his eyes and do not defile yourself with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not obey me. 
They did not all cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for my name's sake, and it should not be profaned before the Gentiles among whom they were in whose, they were in whose sight I had made myself known to them, to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes, showed them my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me, that they may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them, and they greatly defiled my Sabbath. Then I said, I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness, wilderness to consume them. But I acted for my name's sake that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles in whose sight I had brought them out. So I also raised my hand and an oath to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land which I had prophesied against the, uh, the, the forest uh, land in the south. And say to the forest of the south, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall uh, devour every green tree and every dry tree in you. The blazing flame shall not be quenched, and all face, faces from the south and the north shall be scorched by it. All flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it, and it shall not be quenched. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, they say of me, does he not speak parables? The word of the Lord. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, are Sundays a delight to you? Or is it a day in which you feel bored? After all, there are a lot of things we're not allowed to do on Sundays, right? There are people who don't really enjoy Sundays at all. Maybe because they were young, and when they were young, their parents only emphasized the negative, what they were not allowed to do on that day. Not allowed to go to stores, not allowed to take part in organized sports, not allowed to do this or that. And that approach could give the impression that the day of rest is a day you're not allowed to enjoy. Let's approach this day in a positive way. What are we allowed to do on the day of rest? Well, it's the day in which we may take the time to do what we do so little of during the rest of the week. But what we ought to be doing all the days of the week. It's the day in which we can take the time to enjoy the communion with the Lord with whom we want to live forever in paradise restored, in worship, and also at home and family, among others, if you can. 
And with that in mind, I proclaim to you the gospel as we confess it in Lord's Day 38. Uh, with this theme, the day of rest is a day to celebrate our covenant uh, relationship with God. And at this time, let us look up the Lord's Day 38, as you find it in your uh, book of praise. And we're taught in Lord's Day 38, what does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained. And that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings to the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works and let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit and to begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. So the day of rest is a day to celebrate our covenant relationship with God and we see two aspects. This day reminds us of the old paradise this day, forgives, this day gives us a foretaste of the new paradise. In the first place, on the day of rest, we're reminded of the old paradise. Congregation, if we want to understand the purpose of the day of rest, the Sabbath, we have to go back to the old paradise, to the first week of the history of this world. That's when God instituted a special day of rest. As the fourth commandment states, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, made it holy. The commandment tells us that God worked during the first six days of the history. The heavens, earth, seas were all formed by him, like a beautiful work of art. He also made everything in them, land and sea, sun and moon, stars, flowers and trees, birds and fish, cattle and insects, insects, all creatures. And on the sixth day he crowned them, when he made man from the dust. He made him in his image, in other words, compatible to him so that he could enjoy a relationship of love with him. And after those six days of creation, God didn't right away start a new week. No. He added one more day to the week. He rested on that day, and he called the seventh day a holy day, the Sabbath day. The word Sabbath means a day of rest. Why did God add this day of rest to the first week? Did creation tire him out? Did God get tired and need a rest for himself? But creation wasn't really difficult work for the Almighty God to accomplish, was it? It just had to say the word, and there it was. No. 
God's rest on the seventh day was a divine kind of rest. God's rest meant that he took time to enjoy what he had made and to rejoice in it all. Article 2 of the Belgic Confession calls God's creation, and I quote, a most beautiful book, wherein all creatures, great and small, are as so many letters leading us to perceive clearly the invisible qualities of God, namely, his eternal power and deity. Well, as creator of all, we could say God wanted to page quietly through that book and rejoice in what he'd made. And what he saw satisfied him. He saw all that he had made, and it was very good. He was satisfied that everything was as it should be. It all reflected his power and majesty and wisdom. It glorified him. God glorified in his creation. And then a beautiful thing happened. God also involved man, who he had created as his own child, in the celebration of all he had created. God took Adam and Eve and led them leaf through that most beautiful book of creation, too. He walked them through paradise and the sunlight and showed them the trees and the plants and the animals and the insects and everything. And Adam and his wife could also only come to the conclusion that everything God made was very good. In fact, it showed that God was very good, wise, and glorious. So the seventh day, seventh day was a day of creation in God's works and in God's being. It was amazing that man was allowed to live in God's wor uh, world and walk and work and rejoice with him there. So God included man in the first Sabbath, the first day of rest, and sought man's celebration of his being and his works and his relationship with him. And that's what that day was about. That's why it says in the fourth commandment, too, that God rested on the Sabbath day and made it holy. God set that day apart for man to glory in him and with him in all creation. On that day, man was to take the time to meditate on God's marvelous works to glorify with him for that. And that's how the, rela the relationship between God and man was to grow, through the ordinance of the day of rest. God's word doesn't say how Adam and Eve, or for that matter, even Noah or Abraham, actually celebrated the Sabbath day. What we do know, though, is that enjoyment of the relationship with God and that celebration of his works was interrupted by the fall. Man rebelled against God. He wanted to be as God himself. He wanted to build his own world and his own future, independent from God. Man sought to glory for himself instead of God, his maker. And in doing that, he ruined the, ruined the sublime relationship he had with God, and he brought the curse of God over himself and all creation. 
Instead of being able to live as a free child of God, man became slave of his own pride, a slave who would never find rest, but who had to sweat and toil in order to survive. Creation didn't produce what it could have for him. Instead, he now had to deal with thorns and thistles and disasters and sicknesses. And in the end, with death. Think about what man brought over himself and over God's creation congregation. And then you will see what a wonder of God's grace it is that everything still exists today. And that there's still beauty to see in it. And above all, it's wonder that God still calls us to enjoy a day of rest with Him and to glorify Him. Because God didn't just forget about paradise. He didn't just abandon man to his sinful pride. No, almost right away, God in His amazing grace sought out fallen man and began to work towards the redemption of man and towards the restoration of paradise. And it was a quite a thing too when God reinstituted the day of rest for Israel at Mount Sinai. When he gave them the law there and said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That took place after he had delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. Not just the slavery of Pharaoh, but also the slavery of idols and detestable practices of Egypt. As we read in Ezekiel 20, they had been in the grip of false worship there too. Life in Egypt was the opposite of life in paradise. But God delivered the Israelites from that slavery in Egypt, delivered them completely out of grace because they weren't a very willing uh, people either. And in the desert, he called that complaining nation his children. He called himself their father. And he reintroduced the laws from the beginning again, the laws of paradise. His intention was to work towards making everything as it was in the beginning again. And paradise. He gave his people those Ten Commandments so that they, as delivered people, wouldn't fall back into the slavery again. He wanted his people to live with him as his children and glorify him as it was in paradise. He wanted to make them happy with him, make their lives in a celebration of the relationship with him again. That's why the law. And that's why Moses' words about the Sabbath in Exodus 31, because of the fall, Israel would still have to sweat and toil, but the end of the week, like Adam and Eve in the beginning, they could rest from their work and take the time to glory in God and to rejoice in their relationship with their Maker. For one whole day out of every week, In their toilsome lives, they could take a day off from their work to celebrate God's works, praise His being, and rejoice in being His people through the promised Savior. And this is why God, in Exodus 31, calls the Sabbath a sign between me and you throughout your generations. In other words, 
That day of rest from their daily work was to be a visible reminder of the special relationship between God and His covenant people in the promised Savior. That day showed that God was going to work towards living with His people in perfection again as in paradise. They were His chosen people, and not because they were so good. They were sinful by nature like everyone else, but it was God who made them holy. As He says in Exodus 31, as well as in Ezekiel 20, God chose them, brought them to Himself, did great things for them, completely out of grace. And that would be fully revealed in Jesus Christ. And that would, in the future, become again, as it was in the first paradise. That's what Israel was to rejoice in on that day. Not only God's marvelous work of creation, but especially also His glorious deeds of grace. And Israel was to keep the Sabbath holy, set it apart from other days, and focus on their relationship with God on that day as a testimony to God and to the whole world that they seek their life outside of themselves in God's grace. In keeping the Sabbath day, in not working, but worshiping on that day, Israel showed that they were happy and thankful to be God's children, that they truly looked forward to living with God in His, in His perfect glory again as in the beginning, in paradise, when God rested with Adam and Eve. So you see that God in His great mercy restored the day of rest in this fallen world again. That day harks back to, to like it was in the beginning between God and man. It's like something of paradise here on this earth again. God wants to make it like that again, between himself and his people. And see, that's why not remembering the Sabbath day was such a serious offense in God's sight. It was like breaking off the relationship with God itself. It meant that someone turned up his nose at God's grace at the relationship with Him. And that's why God is so upset in Ezekiel 20 that Israel didn't keep but des desecrated the Sabbath. The day of rest, after all, had been restored as a sign, a celebration of the restored relationship between Himself and His people again because of the Savior to come. God wanted to make things again like they were back in paradise. But to ignore the Sabbath was to reject paradise, was to despise God's grace, it was to turn away from the relationship with God. And how could anyone be so foolish to turn away from this glorious and gracious God? Now we come to the second part. On the day of rest, we also receive a foretaste of the new paradise. So when Israel broke the Sabbath congregation, she in fact rejected Christ. After all, the Sabbath was given as a sign between God and Israel that he himself wanted to make them holy. 
But the people would never be completely holy unless their sins were completely atoned for. And that atonement, that payment for their sins would only happen when God's Son came to give himself for his people. So the Sabbath at the end of every week was a shadow of Christ. As Paul calls it in one of his letters, every day of rest in the Old Testament proclaimed the promise of complete salvation from sins and the entrance into a new paradise through Christ. Well, congregation, as you heard this morning, Jesus Christ came and he accomplished the complete deliverance from all our sins on the cross. He lived in this fallen world as the second Adam and glorified God perfectly as the Son of God. He bore the complete punishment for our covenant unfaithfulness and with his blood, he established a new and better covenant with God. And by his resurrection from the dead, on the first day of the week, he opened the way to the new paradise with God. And you see, this is why the day of rest is now on the first day of the week, instead of on the last, as in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they had to live towards the day of the defeat of death and the opening of the way to paradise again. Now, we can begin every work week with the deliverance from death, corruption behind us. So we begin every week with a foretaste of the new and everlasting paradise. We can begin life and work every week in the faith that death has been overcome and that everything is moving towards paradise restored as described in the last chapters of the Bible. And we may believe that all our efforts, no matter how plain and insignificant they may seem, are not useless or worthless, but are used by God in the coming uh, the fullness of all creation. Of ourselves, we can't accomplish anything, but through the Spirit, our lives and works are sanctified and made useful for God's great purpose for all things. And that means that we should never let ourselves become slaves of our work. We don't have to think that it's all up to us, that we have to build a new future for ourselves, that we have to try to make a kind of utopia or paradise here ourselves. We are stewards of God's creation, but we may live in the trust that the world actually doesn't depend on us. All, eff all efforts to make it a paradise here are going to fail. No, our Father in Christ will build a future for us and Him together. He'll restore paradise completely, more glorious in fact than the first paradise, and that's where His church is headed, on the way to paradise restored. So congregation, God gives us a special day at the beginning of every week to celebrate that, that we're on the way together as his people towards the paradise restored. He commands us to remember the day of rest on the first day of the week as a foretaste of the eternal rest, as a foretaste of paradise. 
where we may eat of the abundant fruit of that tree of life forever. And that with that day of rest on the first day, the day of victory over death and futility, he then compels us not to end up in a rut and become slaves of our own, own toil, as if everything depends on what we do. We so easily end up thinking that, don't we? Thinking that our lives depend on ourselves. But every Sunday, again, we're reminded that our lives ultimately don't depend on our own efforts. God calls us to rest in the relationship with Him in Christ. He exhorts us to live towards the glorious future He has obtained for us in Christ. And so, He calls us to worship Him, and He greets us with His grace and peace. He lets us hear His law and holds out to us the gospel of salvation through Christ's death and resurrection. Through His words and with the sacraments, He calls us to faith and repentance. He lets us come to Him in prayer and with all struggles and worries. And He gives us opportunity to praise and thank Him with psalms and hymns. And so, the day of rest is a sign of the relationship between God and us in Jesus Christ. It's a sign that God is bringing us to paradise restored, when God will dwell with His people in perfection, and that we're people who are joyful on the way to that. And He wants to see in us, and the whole world needs to see in us, that we begin our life each week again as people who are on the way to paradise restored, that we find our rest and peace in the Lord our God and in His salvation. And we need that rest, don't we? The Catechism mentions finding rest and worship every week. But it also mentions resting all the days of my life from my evil works and letting the Lord work in me through the Holy Spirit. So beginning now already the eternal Sabbath, so our God wants the Sunday rest to call us to rest for the whole week. Rest from evil works, from sins against our gracious God in thought, word, and deed more and more. Think of the pilgrims in John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress. We're pilgrims on the way through the wilderness to paradise restored. And you could compare the Sunday to oasis with water wells in the wilderness of this life. As pilgrims on the way to paradise restored, we have the opportunity every week again to pause at a well in an oasis and to rest and drink in the water of life. The gospel of Jesus Christ and we can be strengthened and nourished to continue the journey. By the time it's Saturday, as believers, you'll be tired and thirsty again. You seek the living water and the rest in Christ. So you can continue and even make progress in your fight against your sinful nature, the evil works that come from that. See, congregation, the testimony of the Sabbath is that the eternal rest is coming. Then sin is completely gone. 
And then the people of God will be able to fully rest in Christ when we see him standing there as a lamb and was, that was slain and yet lives. Then you'll be fully convinced of God's goodness to you in, in everything that you ever experienced here. Whether you experience good or bad things, you'll see that for the sake of Christ, God was with you in everything, working for your salvation, and you never, ever sin again. You'll be freed from the slavery of sin forever. That's the eternal Sabbath. Paradise restored every Sunday and every day here. In fact, you already had that destination in your heart. But when the relationship with God and Christ, which you struggle to hold on to here, will be full and eternal, and what a prospect then to look forward to, to be able to live with God and glorify Him always. Amen.